This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. I've been preaching about legacy living, and I'm going to continue doing that because I truly believe only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. I believe that. All that matters, ladies and gentlemen, is what we do for Jesus. Nothing else, nothing else really matters. So I want you to take your Bible, your iPad, whatever you have, and I want you to stand. We're going to go to the Word of God, Matthew chapter 27. Look what verse 56 says. The Bible says, Among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joses. And this is also uh, Jesus' mom. And the mother of Zebedee's children. When the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea, just a small place, Arimathea, named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. And he went and begged the body of Jesus. I mean, he just begged the body of Jesus. I just, please let me have his body. I beg you, give me his body. Whatever it takes, this rich man said, Give me his body. Then Pilate commanded the body to be, be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it, look, in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone at the door of the sepulcher. And then he departed. I want to talk to you about what you can do with what you have. What you can do with what you have. I love to tell the story about a lumberman. He was a lumberman that worked in the forest. He was about six foot three. He weighed about 265 pounds. He had a massive, I mean, you could tell he worked out, worked out in the woods a lot. He had a massive chest, I mean, his biceps were just extremely, extremely uh, large. Uh, to try to visualize this guy, you can kind of look at the guy who's preaching today. That will kind of tell you. <laughs> but but he, was, he was much of a man. And there was another little lumberman there. He was five foot two. He was frail, very skinny, weighed about 110 pounds. And that little five-foot-two lumberman said to that big, massive lumberman, he said, you know what, if I was you, what I'd do? He said, what's that? He said, I would go out in those woods, and he said, I'd find the biggest bear out there. And I'd wrestle that bear, and I'd just rip that bear to shreds if I was you. And that big lumberman said, you know, there's some small bears out there in the woods also. And see, folks, here's something. You know, I've had a lot of people say to me, if I win the lottery, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you pay off those buildings down there at that church. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You don't even tithe now. <laughs> you don't even tithe now. No, no. It's, it's not what you do with a million if a million were your lot. It's what you're doing with a dollar and quarter that you've already got. 
It's, it's what you're doing with what you have. It's what you're doing with your time. It's what you're doing with your talent. It's what you're doing with your testimony. It's what you're doing with your treasure. It's what you're doing with what God's already entrusted you with. See, understand something. Life is God's gift to you. What you do with your life is your gift to God. Life is God's gift to you. What you do with your life is your gift to God. There was a lady, her name was Martha Berry. Martha Berry had a passion for children that were poor. She had a passion to educate poor, unfortunate children. And she started a school in North Georgia. And she realized that where there is no vision, the people perish, but where there are no resources, the vision perishes. So she goes to a man by the name of Henry Ford, a very wealthy man, and she shares her vision with Henry Ford. This is what I want to do. And would you like to contribute to it? Henry Ford reached into his pocket, pulled out a dime, and gave it to Martha Berry. Martha Berry took that dime and she bought some peanuts. And when she bought those peanuts, she said to the boys in the school, we're going to plant these peanuts. And they planted the peanuts and they harvested the peanuts. And then they planted the peanuts again and they harvested the peanuts again. And then they planted the peanuts again and then they harvested the peanuts again. And after that time, they took the money and they purchased a piano for the school. She wrote Henry Ford and told him what she had done with a dime that he gave her. He said to Martha Berry, will you come to Detroit, Michigan? She came to Detroit, Michigan once she got to Detroit, Michigan, Henry Ford wrote her a check for $1 million. And the rest of the story of Berry College lives on. But she did what she could with what she had. She did what she could with what she had. What does God expect of us? To do what we can with what we have. Now, there's a man in the Bible that maybe you've never heard a sermon about. But what's so interesting, all four writers of the gospel recorded about this man. It's in the synoptic gospels. And then John also chose to write about this man, Joseph of Arimathea, the man who went and begged for the body of Jesus Christ and then buried the body, put a stone at the door. And I want us to see five or six things about this man, Joseph of Arimathea. The first thing I want you to see about him is he had means. The Bible in verse 57 says uh, he was a rich man. He was a, a rich man. No doubt God had blessed him, and he had means. 
By the way, folks, it's not wrong to possess things. It's wrong when things possess you. It's not wrong to have things, but it is wrong when things possess you. I love what Augustine said. He said, God's been so good to me. He's given me more than I need, yet he has shown me others that need it. God has been so good to me. He's given me more than I need, yet he's shown me others that need it. But you'd understand, by the way, too, while we're dealing with rich, I look around today, and I don't see anybody, including myself, that's suffering from malnutrition. Now, I want you to know something. If you make $32,400 a year, you're in the top 1% of the people in the world. So when we're dealing with rich, ladies and gentlemen, every one of us are blessed. There's no reason for us to be grumbly hateful. We ought to be humbly grateful. And we ought to thank God for how wonderful and how good he's been to every one of us because he's been incredibly good to you. He's been incredibly good to you. He's a good, good God. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be exalted. He's worthy to be lifted up. He's worthy to be told again and again how worthy he is. He's a good, good God. He's a good, good father. This man had means, but I want you to know something, folks. Not only did he have means, but he ministered. You know what's interesting? If you look at verse 57, it says he was rich, but he was Jesus' disciple. <laughs> he was Jesus' disciple. That tells me, folks, that you can have means and you can still be Jesus' disciple. If you study the Bible, Solomon was filthy rich. Abraham was filthy rich. Isaac was filthy rich. Job was filthy rich. David was filthy rich. I wish Benny was filthy rich. <laughs> Folks, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with possessing things. Money's wonderful. See, if you, if you, if you stack money up, you just keep it stacked up, it stinks. It's like manure. If you just stack it up, it stinks. But if you spread it out, it helps things to grow. Amen? Amen. He, he had means. He ministered. But now here's, here's something else I want you to say. Get this. this guy, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. Now, that probably doesn't mean much to you, but let me explain. If you've been to Israel with me, we always go to the house of Caiaphas, and we, I, I, I take you down to the dungeon where Jesus spent his last night. Caiaphas, in Jesus' day, was the high priest, and he was the head of the Sanhedrin. It was composed of 71 men. They were Sadducees. They were, they, were, uh, they were Pharisees in the group, and then they were Sadducees in the group. You say, well, now, what's the difference in the Pharisees and the Sadducees? The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were Sadducees. so corny anyway <laughs> but he was composed of 71 individuals they were the most powerful men in israel 
They ran everything. And this man, according to the scripture, was an honorable counselor. That is to say, ladies and gentlemen, he was an influential member of the Sanhedrin. Here's what you need to understand. If I had requested the body of Jesus, there's no way I could have gotten it. If you had requested the body of Jesus, there was no way you could have gotten the body. But understand, because he was a member of the Sanhedrin, he could get the body of Jesus. He could receive the body of Jesus. Understand something. God put him in that position so he could benefit the body. God put him in that position so he could bless the body. Let me tell you something. God has placed you right where you're at so you can bless the body. God has put you right where you're at so you can benefit the body. God has given you the resources that you have right now so you can pour into the body. God has given you the talent, the ability, the strength so you can benefit the body. It wasn't about him, ladies and gentlemen. It was about the body. It's not about you. It's about the body. God put you where you're at so you could bless the body. Now, let me tell you something. There's a fourth thing I want you to see. He had mixed emotions. You said, now, wait, what, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, he was a member of... Of the Sanhedrin, but look what he says. He said, The same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, but he didn't agree with everything they did. I was praying with a governor in the state of Mississippi, and this is what he said to me. He said, Preacher, I'm in a denomination that has gone liberal, very liberal. And folks, let me just say something. The Bible does not change. No, 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 no. You say, well, but this has happened in my family. Friend, it matters not what's happened in your family. It matters not what's happened in my family. The Word of God is still the Word of God. Heaven, yes, yes, heaven is still heaven. Hell still hot. Sin is still sin. Wrong is wrong no matter who's for it. And right is right no matter who's against it. The Word of God's the Word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. Folks, let me tell you something. This book, the Bible says the Word of God is magnified even above the name of Jesus. Even above the name, the Word is to be magnified. Somebody said, God said it. I believe it, and that settles it. It matters not whether you believe it. If God said it, it's settled forever. I'm asked a lot of times, where do you stand on this social issue? Where do you stand on that social issue? Let me tell you something, folks. If God has spoken, we don't have a vote. It's the Word of God. He said, Pastor, I'm praying about what I should do. But he said, you know, 
I got down on my knees and I prayed. And God spoke to my heart and said, don't you leave your denomination. You stay with it and try to change it for the better. See, I think many times we're in a job and we think I got to get out of here. No, no, you may be the salt and light there. You, you, you may be the voice there. You may be the testimony. And listen, you may not totally agree with everything in that workplace, but perhaps God has placed you there just for that. You may be in an industry, and I don't agree with everything in that industry, but perhaps God's placed you in that industry to be a voice. Perhaps God's placed you there to be a testimony. He had means. He ministered. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He had mixed emotions. But let me tell you something else. The body was marred. You say, Pastor, what do you, what do you mean the body was marred? Here's, here's what I want you to notice. He goes and he begs for the body. And Pilate says to him, you can have it. You can have the body. But look what he had to go do, folks. And he brought fine linen. Keep this verse up. And he brought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of rock, and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. Now, when Pilate said, you can go get that body, understand this, folks. A crown of thorns had been on that head. Well, we'll go to the picture. Look, not only had a crown of thorns, but spikes had gone through his hands. He, he, he had been beaten. The Bible says he was beaten in such a fashion that you couldn't even tell that he was a human being. They, they show him with a little bit of clothes. He was completely naked on the cross. Probably died of hypoblemic shock, heart trying to pump the blood, kidneys shut down, but no blood to pump. His beard would have been torn because they pulled his beard as he walked through the crowd, Isaiah said. Years ago, we used to sing that song, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. No, 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 no. It wasn't on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. Jesus was crucified 12 or 14 inches off the ground. The reason why he was crucified 12 or 14 inches off the ground is where men could stand and urinate on him. The reason why he was crucified 12 or 14 inches off the ground is where children could take animal dung and throw it at those on the cross. The reason why Jesus was placed on the middle cross, it was to say the vilest criminal was always placed on the middle cross. That's why he was on the middle cross. So I want you to understand, when Joseph came to his body, it was marred. It was marred. And I thought about folks. Look, go back to that verse. But he brought fine linen. <laughs> and I thought, that was us. <laughs> yeah, that was, that's, the, that's the addict. <laughs> uh, that's the adulterer. Uh, that's the drunkard. Uh, that's the lesbian. Uh, that's the, the thief. Uh, that's the liar. That, that's
that's the body. And what does Jesus do? Jesus comes and he washes us and he puts us in fine linen, puts us in fine linen. That's just what Joseph did. He took a body that was marred and he made it in fine linen. Now, I thought about something, folks. I thought about the body of Christ and I thought about how it ought to be. Look what, look what the scripture says. It says, among which was Mary Magdalene, no wait, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph. Now, who was around the body? Mary the mother of Jesus. Why, the Virgin Mary. The, the wonderful, pure, godly, holy Mary was there. She felt comfortable around the body. She felt comfortable in the body. That person that was pure, that was holy, she felt comfortable. But I want you to know something. There was somebody else there. Her name was Mary Magdalene. And Jesus had cast seven devils out of her. <laughs> he had cast seven devils out of her, but she also felt comfortable around the body. And folks, that's how church ought to be. Church ought to be for all people. It ought to be for all people. It ought to be for all people. It ought to be for the rich. It ought to be for the poor. It ought to be for the red. It ought to be for the yellow. It ought to be for the black. It ought to be for the white. It ought to be for those that are dressed up in a three-piece suit. But it ought to be for those that in overalls. It ought to be for all people. Church ought to be for all people. And everybody ought to be comfortable in the body of Jesus Christ. No matter what you've done, no matter where you came from, you ought to be comfortable in the body of Jesus. That'd be a good place to say amen. Now, now let, let, let me move on. Number six. He understood his mission. Oh, folks, I'm going to buy this CD. He understood his mission. And by the way, let me, let me just say something, folks. This morning at 5 o'clock, I was on a treadmill, and I was watching Charles Stanley. And I said, God, I wish I could be like that. Why can't I just be calm? <laughs> I mean that, folks. I said, why can't I be just like David Jeremiah? Why can't I be like, why do I have to act like a wild Indian? I don't want to be that way. I mean that, folks. If I could choose, listen, if I could, if I could choose, I wouldn't choose this. If I could choose, who would seek a voice like this? I wouldn't choose this. So I never plan anything, folks. But let me tell you something. When I just get talking about Jesus and I start thinking about what he's done for me, when I start thinking about the family I came from, when I start thinking about what he's done in my life, I just want to praise him. I just want to shout glory. I just want to stand to my feet and tell him how much I love him. Sure I do. That's what I want to do because he's worthy. He's worthy, brother, of all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Sure he is. Now, my, uh, Isaiah 53 and 9, 700 years before Christ. Look, folks. Somebody says, I have a problem believing, on, believing the Bible. If you have a problem believing the Bible, don't you sleep on your side tonight. Your brains will roll out your ears. 
Well, you're so narrow-minded a gnat could stand on the end of your nose and kick both eyeballs out. Amen? Don't you walk through the woods slowly. The squirrels will eat you. You're nuts! This was written 700 years before Jesus was born, by the way. By the way, when you go to Israel, we'll go to the place where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. They found the Word of God. They found the Word, the book of Isaiah, which was written 700 years before Christ. And he made his grave with the wicked look and with the rich in his death. 700 years before, God said, he'd be buried in a rich man's tomb. He's going to be buried in a rich man's tomb. Now, 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 get this down. Your mission, ladies and gentlemen, I know we, hear that we have the happy clappies. But I want you to understand something. Your mission is going to cost you something. What did this guy have to do? He had to give up his tomb that he had beat out of rock. See, rich men had tombs that were hewn out of rock. We'll go to it when we go to Israel. We'll go to this tomb that was hewn out of rock. But it was his tomb. It was for a rich man. And here's what I want you to understand. It's all I'm going to say. You want to live for the Lord? He didn't call you to comfort. He called you to a cross. Let me tell you something. You're going, you're, you're going to take heartache. You're going to take disappointment. I'll promise you that life that pleases God's often painful and difficult. You'll spend nights hurting. There'll be disappointment. Weeping's going to endure for a night, but I've got good news. Joy's going to come in the morning. Amen. <laughs> and I've made up my mind that I'm not going to let anything stop me. I'm not going to let my finances stop me. I'm not going to let my flesh stop me. I'm not going to let my foes stop me. I'm not going to let my frustration stop me. I'm not going to let anything stop me. I've started for Jesus, and I'm going through. Now, wait. Your mission's going to cost you something, but let me give you give me point number two. Your mission's not about you. You say, oh, it's about me. No, 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 it's not about you. I know we live in the day of selfies, but it's not about you. Amen? I know we live in the day of Facebook. I'm having a withdrawal. I can't get on Facebook. Oh, I just need to get on Instagram while he's preaching. Selfies. But it's not about you. Wait. He goes and gets the body. Starts cleaning that body up. Takes spices and starts putting it on that body. Then takes a shroud. Starts wrapping it up. Get this down. (laughs) He's getting the body ready for resurrection. You know what your function is? Is to get the body ready for resurrection. You know what my function is? We ought to be nobodies that's telling everybody about somebody that can change anybody. Our function is to get the body ready for resurrection. Let me tell this story and I'll quit. A few years ago, Cameron and I went to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We met with a man 
by the name of David Green. This is what this man told me. He said, preacher, my daddy was a preacher and my mama was a preacher. And he said, all my brothers were preachers. But he said, I never felt like I was supposed to preach. I never felt like I was supposed to preach. But he said, I really wanted to. But I never felt like it was what I was supposed to do. Now, let me tell you about this man. He's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. He really is. He's a billionaire. And I said to him, my wife and I helped you to become a billionaire. (laughs) Yeah, we helped you to become a billionaire. Because in 1970, this guy started Hobby Lobby. Yeah. And we helped him. We helped him to become a billionaire. I, I did. I think he bought lunch that day. I did get a lunch, but I helped him to become a billionaire. He's got 32,000 employees, 800 stores, 32,000 employees, 800 stores. And he said, Preacher, what you don't understand, if it wasn't for my wife, there wouldn't be a Hobby Lobby. I said, tell me about it. He said, well, she wanted to go in the frame, framing business. And I said, honey, what do you need? She said, I need a frame machine. I said, what's it going to cost? She said, $600. He said, we don't have $6. She said, but David, we can go to the bank and we can borrow $600 and we can get that machine. And he said, preacher, come with me. And we walked down there, and he said, Preacher, that's the machine we bought in 1970. 1970. And we started out with the kids helping us make frames. 800 stores, 32,000 employees. I said, he said, Preacher, you know what our number one selling item is? I said, I don't have a clue. He said, it's the barnwood frame. I said, explain the barnwood frame. He said, well, preacher, you know these old barns out behind houses? Most of the time they're just torn down or burnt. I said, yeah. He said, well, we go. We take that old wood that's going to be thrown away. And we redeem it and use it for something valuable. It's our number one item. What the world throws away, I found God many times uses, folks. What the world says is of no value, God many times uses. What the world kicks to the curb, God says that's what I'm going to use because I've chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And he said, preacher, let me tell you one other thing. He said, 50%. Of all of our profits, when you and your wife are spending money, 50%. You know what we do with it? I said, what do you do with it, Brother David? He said, we give it to ministries. I said, have you ever heard of Rock Springs Church? He said, no, I didn't. He said, said, 50% we give it to ministries. And then I'll never forget what he said to me. He looked at me. I mean, he's preaching to the preacher. And he says, preacher, 
there aren't but two things eternal. The Word of God and the souls of men, women, boys, and girls. So I'm going to place emphasis on the souls and reaching people for Jesus Christ. Living a life that will outlast you. I counted dollars while God counted crosses. I counted gains while he counted losses. I counted my worth by those things gained in store. He sized me up by the scars I bore. I counted the honors. I sought all the degrees. But he counted the hours that I spent on my knees. And I never knew until one day by a grave how vain are the things we spend our lives to save. I want to live a life that when I die, my life truly just begins. I want to live a life that when I die, that my life truly just begins because I want to live legacy living. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.